The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, episode 58. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, psychologist and adaptability coach to entrepreneurs and business leaders. I believe that working on your business is more important than working in your business. If you want to achieve your business goals and dreams without the cost and pain of having to make every mistake yourself, then The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for you. I'm here to help you learn from the lessons of entrepreneurs and business leaders to help you work on yourself and your business so that you can save time, energy, and grow faster. For those of you new to the show, The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai presents three new episodes each week on Insight Sunday we dive into the minds of business leaders through insightful guest interviews. On Story Tuesday, we dig deeper with them and learn firsthand from their stories, hard-earned lessons, and experience. On Thrive Thursday, it's just you and me on the couch, where you'll hear scientific research, my thoughts, and tangible tactics to adapt and grow yourself and your business. Grab a proverbial seat and listen up so you can learn from the minds and mistakes business leaders and apply their wisdom to your life and business. For those of you who don't know, Carrie Wooten is the founder and president of Mindset Enterprise founder of the nonprofit Operation Phalanx, serves on the faculty at National Command and Staff College, and is an internationally certified facilitator at Appreciation at Work. Carrie is the embodiment of a change agent, taking a medley of roles and approaches to increase productivity, performance, and retention in companies and organizations through communication-focused training, executive coaching, and organizational culture consulting. Her background in law enforcement, neuroleadership, positive psychology, and organizational development give her a breadth and depth of knowledge, experience, and expertise that she draws on in working with leaders and organization. Before we dive in, I wanted to share that the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching and Consulting. If you lead a six or seven plus figure business and experience a drag or dip in your growth, if you notice diminishing engagement or passion in your business, if you want to eliminate exhaustion and burnout in yourself or your teams, if you sense that you or your company would grow faster and stronger if you could just pivot efficiently and effectively when circumstances change, like they had so much in 2020, then you've got an adaptability problem. Adaptability coaching and consulting will give you and your business the psychology and neuroscience-backed tools to understand and leverage core adaptability skills through the unique 3D adaptation framework. You can learn to harness and leverage core adaptability skills to grow yourself and your company. You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to turn tough circumstances, reactions, and exhaustion into energy, excitement, and excellence for you and your company. To learn more, go to dryishai.com slash coaching or dryishai.com slash consulting. Because Insight Sunday's interview is so packed and full of value, I decided to share it with you in two parts. Today, Carrie shares her story and experience in law enforcement agencies that led her to found Mindset Enterprise. 
She also shares how she developed a servant mentality and talked about what a toxic workplace looks like and how it can impact more than just your work. Towards the end, Carrie talks about and shares what it is like to hate your job and how her response gave rise to living her passions and creating her business. On Tuesday, our conversation is going to continue where we talk about grief, letting ourselves and others down, why it's important to be proactive rather than reactive, and how to cultivate the decisions and habits to become more proactive. Now, without further ado, join me in welcoming Carrie Wooten. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for grabbing a seat with me on the business couch today. Absolutely, my pleasure. Yeah. So on Insight Sunday, we dive into the minds of entrepreneurs and business leaders to uncover insights into how their minds work and extract tangible takeaways to learn and implement. So I want to start off with your journey. I, I would love to hear about you telling us how you decided to found the Mindset Enterprise and working with leaders and organizations, and perhaps also a bit about Operation Phalanx, the nonprofit. Absolutely. Thanks so much for asking. So I don't get to share it very often. So this is kind of exciting for me. You know, I had this great opportunity to take what I thought was my biggest professional challenge, even a crisis, and turn it into a business. So it really worked out well for me, thankfully. Like you said, my background's in law enforcement. So I was in law enforcement for almost seven years, loved the profession, loved what I was doing. Everything was great. The agency that I worked for was my ideal agency. I then married a Marine. Of course, we got orders to another state as the military will do. And we moved. So agency number two came around and it was vastly different than my ideal agency. It wasn't really the demographic I wanted to work. It just, it's not what I personally would have chosen for what I wanted to achieve in law enforcement. So as I worked for this second agency, I got to see, unfortunately, all of the bad stuff in law enforcement, like the toxic leadership and the corruption and the unethical decision-making, like all the bad stuff wrapped into one agency. Wow. And yeah, it was heartbreaking, you know, coming from a large city agency, you know, somewhere where I had great leaders, you know, we had a great city, loved what I was doing to this total 180. And I decided after two years of tolerating that I was going to leave law enforcement. I came home one day and my husband said, you're not fun to be married to anymore. So the toxic cancer of the workplace had infected my house, right? Which happens Mm. in a lot of different industries. Um, I thought I kept it separate. Obviously not so much. And I chose my family over my profession. Stick by that decision. And once I got into self-reflecting of how miserable it was, how someone as enthusiastic about their career was crushed and chose to leave... I had that more or less epiphany of if this happens to me, it happens to people all over the country. Mm. Surely I'm not alone. (laughs) And that really sparked Mindset Enterprise. How do I fix toxic leadership? How do I fix um, cancerous cultures, right? How do I make sure this doesn't happen to anybody else? And Mindset Enterprise was born and here we are. (laughs) Wow. So I'm hearing a couple of things I really want to pull out and and draw out and hear more about. One is that I heard that when you were in law enforcement, you started at this agency that provided you with this really beautiful blueprint for what 
an effective agency and what leadership can look Mm -hmm. like and what a culture can look like. And then when you moved because of your husband being in the Marines and, and needing to move, that the agency that you ended up moving to was, you called it the 180. And in the mm-hmm. words that I'm hearing are cancerous culture, toxic leadership. And so I really wanted to draw out and hear a bit more about what the environment that had such great leadership and such a great experience looked like. And by mm-hmm. contrast, what the environment that was that you describe as toxic and cancerous looked like. Sure. So in my experience, and of course, my opinion, the first agency, it was very focused on developing its people. What training do you want? How do you want to grow? Yeah, maybe you're new, but we want to challenge you so you become better and more of an asset for the agency. I had very senior assignments as a very young officer, and I got a lot of exposure and experience very quickly simply because I worked hard and I asked for it. And I had the right leaders that said, okay, you're a little young, you know, you don't have the experience, but I guess we have to give it to you. How else do you get it, right? Other than someone mm-hmm. giving you a chance. So I had a lot of that. Now, like any organization, it wasn't perfect. There were subpar leaders, absolutely. There were, you know, grouchy guys in the back of the room. I mean, we had those people too. Mm-hmm. This is an agency of 900 officers. Mm-hmm. So of course you had, you know, a few little grumbly, toxic people here and there. But overall, it was a very progressive, individually developed, you know, what can we do for you type of agency. And if it were up to me, I would have stayed there. Um, I planned on, you know, working 25, 30 years and retiring Mm. from law enforcement. So that's how much I loved it. As far as the second agency, one, it was just a lot smaller. I went from 900 officers to 23, from chief all the way down to the newest rookie. So vastly different. High crime to no crime, which to a citizen probably sounds really great. But when you're in law enforcement, if there's no crime, you kind of feel like you don't have anything to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we didn't really have a lot of purpose. There wasn't any fulfillment there mm-hmm. and lack of experience. You know, things that I had dealt with mm-hmm. in a large city in six months is more than some of that leadership had seen in 15 years just simply based on, you know, demographics and crime rate, right? At no fault of anybody, just two different areas. And with that lack of experience, I was shut down a lot. You know, we don't do things that way. We're not going Mm. to be proactive. We don't, you know, there was just a lot of resistance between me and leadership. And that brought about a lot of the toxic nature. If Mm. I tried to work, I would be written up for insubordination. If I tried to do Mm -hmm. this, I was intentionally making them look bad. You know, it was just a very different environment, not progressive, not a think outside the box kind of agency. And I'm really grateful that I had both the experiences. You know, the grass isn't greener on the other side. I think that's an important lesson for everybody. And, you know, if I didn't have the negative experience, I wouldn't be an entrepreneur. I wouldn't be working from home while raising three young kids, you know, doing shift work with young kids. I missed first words and first steps and all those Mm. things. But now I work from home and I get to see them all the time. So it's been the biggest blessing Mm. in my life. So I'm really grateful for it. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And I think it really helps 
to compare and see the difference between the kind of culture in which you were really thriving and you experienced as a culture where there's plenty of room to grow and thrive versus a culture that really felt like it stymied and held you back and Mm -hmm. would even push back. And one Mm -hmm. thing I, I wanted to point out that I was hearing and perhaps get a little bit more from you about is I'm hearing that when you started at the first agency, that you were seeking more experience. You wanted to get put on other assignments. And so there was a lot of, you were very driven. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important thing also to recognize. And there's two sides to this coin. One is for anybody who's walking into an environment that if you're not going to be driven, then it's going to be hard to find that experience. And it's not always going to be laid out. And as an organization, the question is, how do you respond to that? And if you'd like to move from, and that's from like, the difference between a bad to a good organization. And if you want to go from being a good to a great organization, how do you create those pathways and find those types of people and create the type of organization where those types of people are thrilled to join? They're drawn or magnetically drawn to you. And so I wanted to point that out. And I wonder if that part of you that was already ambitious and seeking and wanting to, to grow has been a part of you that kind of pushed you into founding the Mindset Enterprise. It had everything to do (laughs) Mm. with founding it, just being the problem solver type, you know, not problem oriented, but solution oriented. And, you know, having that practice of servant leadership is the only leadership I know. I was raised in a military family. My father and all of my brothers all went military. Of course, I married into it and in law enforcement. So I've been completely surrounded by, we are here to serve others and, you know, be part of the greater good and put others first. And so that was really easy for me. And when I transitioned out of law enforcement, I actually was already a few years into my entrepreneurial journey, more or less the side hustle, right? We did that with my husband's pending retirement. We knew that he was two years out from retiring and So I knew how to build business, but I wasn't fulfilled. I knew how to build business. I knew how to make money. I mean, that's important. We all have bills, but I didn't have that servant piece. And that really kind of ignited the, how do I build business for all the technical and financial reasons, right? How do I do that, but have that fulfillment that I did find in law enforcement? when I was taking care of people and when I was part of the big picture and serving others day in and day out. Well, so now I just get to serve law enforcement. No one else takes care of them, Mm. right? I get to serve the people who are serving day in and day out. And I work with corporate too. And, but law enforcement's about 60%, right? Those are my people. No one takes care of them. So I got to step in and do that and create this, I guess, perfect relationship of, you know, business acumen and technical skill, but servant leadership and fulfillment all at the same time. And I think that's what business leaders and entrepreneurs really need to find on their journey is how do I get all of that wrapped into one? Mm -hmm. Because otherwise we're just going to work, right? It's just work nine to five, kind of that clock in and clock out. And that doesn't keep people engaged. (laughs) It doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that it's it's so important to the point of really being necessary to experience 
a set of someone or something to serve a mission, a goal, a purpose, perhaps mm-hmm. beyond just a goal or a set of goals. It's really about having meaning and purpose. And what I'm hearing for you is that it's been a part of the fabric of your existence since you were a child, the, yeah. in, the mili- in growing up in a military family that serving others. And I'm also hearing, and I want to connect this to something you were saying earlier about how you turned your pain into purpose. And I know that on the one hand, it can be really easy and it can be really difficult when we encounter a really painful experience, a kind of loss. And I know you mentioned that you were at this second agency for a while and it really took your husband kind of saying, well, who are you? You're not the same person that mm-hmm. I met. What happened? For you to take a look and recognize that there was something that was profoundly not okay happening and that needed a kind of reckoning or to grapple with. And turning that kind of, maybe it was even a grief process, a set of losses into a new goal, turning that mourning process into a mission. That's exactly the process I had to go through because I did have a mourning process. I did have an identity crisis because I didn't want to leave, but I felt like I needed to. Mm. And again, I know this happens in every industry all around the country, especially with your high-level leaders, right? Your executives who have been doing the same thing for so long, Mm. they're highly skilled, but we don't realize that we're bringing the stress home. I had no idea. I knew I was miserable, but I had no idea I was making people around me miserable. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm really grateful that my husband and I have that close, transparent relationship where, and he can say, you're not fun. Mm. This is affecting all of us now. Who knows? I mean, at the time I had a two-year-old and a newborn. So what kind of parent was I at the same time? Mm. And it was, well, let me look at myself and look at my life. If my marriage doesn't work, if I'm not being a good parent, you know, why am I sacrificing all of that mm. to go to this job that I really hate going to right now? Why would I do that? It just doesn't make any sense. But I also know that not everyone has that kind of transparency and conversation. My husband could have said nothing and surprised me with divorce papers in a couple of years, you know, and said, you're not the same person. I mean, who, who knows? We know that happens all the time, about 50% of the time. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. And what you're hitting on is the importance of communication. I know that's something that you really focus on so much is the importance of communication and how to communicate. And I'm also hearing the words that I heard, I want to draw out and, and talk a little bit more about. You talked about hating your job. And I know there's some people who really think that like hatred as an emotion shouldn't exist. I actually mm-hmm. have a particular way of understanding emotions like hate, which is that all emotions, as it turns out, are messengers. They, they have a job. Yeah. And it's really about when we experience those reactions or those feelings. So when you talk about feeling hate, the way my brain thinks about it and processes it is that Hate shows up when there is something or someone who by their action, and they actually, there's an experience of whether it's an organization or a job or a person that whatever that entity is, it is putting its energy into getting in the way of me and my needs. Yeah. And that's, it's our brain literally labeling that thing. And so the experience of hatred is there to help me recognize when there is someone or an entity that is actively getting in the way of me having my needs, my goals, my dreams, Mm -hmm. all of those things met. And 
what it's there to do is to really have me look at that and say, well, do I want to be near this? Do I need to get away? And it's really there to help direct me to kind of move away from or address or handle whatever it is that is going on. You know, and I think so many of us, we're not in tune with that, or we think hatred has no place in the world. Well, if hatred has no place in the world, then what would you have done? Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know who would enjoy it. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari, show notes by Yishai Barkadari, and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, our thoughts and reactions affect our actions. By listening, we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make so that we can make better decisions and get better results. 